0: Hey there, welcome to Broadcast to Post. I'm Jeff Sengpil, CTO at Keycode Media. This is the show where we interview leaders and experts in the AV, broadcast, and post-production spaces. We're giving you the inside tips to grow your media workflows and business today. Building an OTT video library, training, marketing, and live events. We're inviting Don Kianian from Telestream Sherpa to discuss how people are creating their own over the top or OTT video libraries to have more control of their content, to allow them to create deep engagement with live webinar and live stream experiences, and have an on-demand library with a UX experience that's branded and just as easy to use as Netflix or any other streaming application. Let's be clear about one thing. This discussion is not about creating a media and entertainment app although some may end up using it that way. The applications for OTT has a far wider market, whether that be a corporate HR department securely hosting training content or an internal only website. It can be useful to marketing departments for that live stream or have huge libraries of content that they want greater control of on their own websites. Anyways, I've gotten way ahead of myself. Hey, Don, thanks for joining us today. Let's start by world building. Obviously, OTT platforms have been re- exploding for entertainment. Let's start with a quick one-on-one on OTT. Why are HR departments, marketing departments, schools, and others using OTT to deliver video content experiences? Maybe an example of each?
1: Yeah, sure. So. Um... As everyone knows, in 2020, when the COVID-19 pandemic hit, the world was kind of thrust into this mentality of using video for all types of communications, whether it's internal within the walls of a company or you know, outside to try and get you know, potential customers on board, that sort of thing. And so you know, so having that backbone of video content can enable your organization to grow, whether you're using it for internal Kind of purposes, or for the outside world, and that encompasses live streaming and VOD content. You can create, you know, a, a company all hands live stream to, you know, your global workforce and communicate a message, you know, consistently across all of those audiences. Uh, or you can create, you know, monetized content programs in microsites that you uh, host on your own webpage. You custom brand it to make it look like your own, and then you have more control over how that content is presented, and you can present. That content in the best light as well.
0: One thing I'm a little stuck on, why, why can't I just take all this and, and put it up on YouTube? I can live stream, I can playlist. Give me the big is why Sherpa makes more sense for this sort of stuff.
1: Yeah, so if you want to think about it, there's kind of uh, two different ways you can think about, you know, hosting and delivering video content. With tools like YouTube, you're really gunning for broad, organic discovery, right? YouTube is something like the second largest search engine on the market right now. Um, And if you want people from all over the world to be able to discover your content and access it, that's probably your best bet, is that kind of broad, far-reach type of uh, platform. Uh, The downside to that is you don't have as much control over how that content is presented. It's always in the YouTube player. It's always got the YouTube branding. You don't control the recommendations next to it. You can't control what ads are placed on your video if it's enabled. Um, There's a whole lot of control you're giving up in order to get that organic discovery and reach, right? On the flip side, you got proprietary tools like Sherpa that are designed to give you more control and flexibility with how you're presenting that content foregoing the organic discoverability. Now, that's not saying you can't get far, broad reach with tools like Sherpa. Like I mentioned earlier, you can take a video, a microsite, a live stream, whatever, embed it on your own website and direct a bunch of people there through you know, social media posts, paid ads, uh, teaser clips on YouTube that link back to your website. There's a lot of ways you can leverage YouTube to funnel people to a more controlled custom branded, high quality experience on your own website. And then you've got them on your website. You can sell them stuff. You can communicate other stuff to them, serve them more content. And you've, you've got them there engaging with you and your brand. Understandable. So, so I've, I've already done the devil devil's advocate thing. What about the other side?
0: If we're just talking about recording live trainings, why don't I just do that on zoom, um, is there a a large difference in quality and how does the quality of content matter?
1: Yeah. So Zoom is is great for when you want to do very kind of quick and dirty type of video conference calls and, and, you know, getting a couple people in a, you know, a simulated room together and talking about stuff. But the problem with Zoom is that it throttles the quality of your video to kind of sub HD quality. So you're not getting the, the true best picture that you could. Um, if quality matters to you, and it and it should when, when with video these days, people expect h d. It's not one of these kind of luxury things anymore. you You really want to have the the crispest, highest quality video possible so that people stay engaged with it. Um, there's nothing worse that than you know being on a video and suddenly you start seeing artifacts and blocks everywhere, and you can't see what's happening anymore, right? Um, so having a, a high quality video platform, is just just one of the ways you can keep people engaged with your content, and then there's a whole bunch of other kind of overlays and interactives you can layer on top of it that uh, Zoom or other you know webinar providers might not necessarily have.
0: Yeah, macro bro- blocking takes me back to the '90s. It, it was a, it was a bad scene. So let me come up with a fictitious scenario, and let's run with it. Let's pretend we're a major continuing education program. Uh, we need to convert our training to online video. Boss just came in, told us we need to create an OTT experience that complements our documents and in-person training. Um, We're going to start at square one. Um, First, what are the initial steps that the team needs to consider before launching an OTT streaming setup? And I'm assuming it starts with, you know, you got to have the content to begin with uh, and a strategy for it, but also maybe considerations of how this fits into my website, uh, an LMS, the learning management system that some education folks have, or other systems.
1: Yeah, like you said, the first step is getting the content. Um, you know, like I said, there's, there's tools like Zoom out there if you don't care as much about the quality, but you really want to try and get as much high-quality content as possible. And so there are a lot of modern uh, webinar providers or video platforms that have some of that content creation aspect built into them, right? You can, you know, host a live stream and that live stream is automatically recorded so that you can clip it out into VODs for playlists and microsites later, for example. Um, Once you've got a handle of your content production workflow, what type of assets you want, how how you want to present them is really the next step, right? Whether you're, you know, Embedding just a single video asset on your web page so that people uh, engage with that and that alone, uh, or if you want to create a whole microsite and have a Curated content consumption journey that your users are following down. You could have, say, a live stream that is kind of an entry point for people to learn more about this training program and what they expect to uh, gain and as part of it and the certification they might be getting from it and that sort of thing. And then funnel them from there into a playlist of related content on the specific subject matter they need to be certified in. For example, Um, you can host these, like I said, on you know owned websites by embedding them, you know, with HTML, CSS, JavaScript, you can custom brand it to look however you want it to look and really create an immersive experience, which is really important when you're doing certification and continuing continuing education, because if your students aren't engaged with the content, they're not really learning anything. And so that certification that they're getting isn't really valid. Um, So beyond how you present the content, having tools in place to measure and ensure that people are actually watching it and engaging with it and paying attention. That's also another key kind of decision point you have to make when you're planning out these types of certification and continued education programs.
0: It it sounds like it's really talking about the best practices for doing this. So a follow up, are you going to need a separate team to create this content? Is this just going to be one new role or multiple?
1: Yeah. It depends on your ambition, right? I mean, I've been in, uh, a, I've been a single marketing person in a company who's responsible for all of the content production. And, you know, I've had to find, you know, scrappy ways of getting it done on my own. Right. Uh, but if you've got a, a team of people or even like one or two extra hands on deck to help you produce the content, then that makes obviously it a lot easier. Right. So, um, Tools like Sherpa, for example, allow you to just pop open your webcam, hop into a a live stream, have that live stream be recorded. You can download that VOD after, plop it into an editing workflow, take out little clips and create your, you know, VOD content library from there. Um, Or if you have cameras and a crew, you can go out, you can film the stuff, you can edit it, produce it however you want, and then bring it into your kind of content from there. So if you need to fix it in post, there's
0: ways to get there. So we've got a team that wants to create the live streaming experience with with Sherpa, and it's going to go beyond that Zoom meeting or a YouTube live. What are the types of tools available to make live streaming a more interactive experience? And secondly, how do we make sure everybody's paying attention?
1: Yeah. Yeah. So like I said earlier, engagement and interactivity kind of come hand in hand uh, when it comes to live content. And there's a lot of like table stakes, kind of baseline features that have been out in the market for a while now that um, people kind of expect when it comes to these live streams. Things like, you know, Q&A, polls, uh, being able to like raise your hand if you want to submit a a question, that sort of thing. Um, But taking it a step further, you want to look for other ways of not only fostering interaction with your viewers, but also tracking how engaged they are as they go through a video. So for example, you know, Sherpa has this feature called checkpoints, right? Where it's non-obtrusive. You've got a, a live stream going and a little checkpoint slides in in the lower left corner that says, are you still watching? And it's on there for say like 10, 15 seconds. It pops up once every five minutes across the span of a one hour video and The person who is viewing the video, they click on OK and it slides away. Or if they don't click anything, it slides away. It's on its own. But on the back end, the producers of that content can look at the analytics report and see, okay, of my 500 viewers, uh, only 75% of them clicked all of the checkpoints, meaning that 25% of them kind of lost touch with the content at a certain point. And then you can see which specific checkpoints they missed, and so you can say, okay, everyone missed the last three. So people stopped watching at this point for some reason. And you can tie that all back to the video and see what it was that was resonating more with people and what wasn't resonating with people and causing them to tune out.
0: Interesting. Um, that That's that's a new piece I've heard. It's always just, you're not paying attention. Let, let's stop. Yeah. Netflix does that to you all the time if you're trying to binge. Um, so we got all this live ac- content. It's available on demand. How are we going to organize it so that our our training website or LMS makes sense of it? Um, What about playlists and branding and all that fun sort of stuff?
1: Yeah. So the kind of fundamental paradigm of organizing video content is you got playlists and you can organize your content into those playlists. You can maybe host a couple playlists on a microsite and that's your kind of content portal, right? Um, Organizing your content into the playlists is a whole beast in and of itself. Uh, you can have manual playlists where you're just manually adding stuff. You have to reorder it, all of that. Um, but you know, more modern platforms like Sherpa will also have smart playlists where you can set custom metadata tags in your platform for things like you know, publicity level. Like say you've got an internal... Only, you know, just for a small handful of people, you know, you can set that to be private. And then maybe you've got a video that you want to send out to your PR team, and that can be, you know, call it semi-private. and then you've got like a marketing sizzle video, an advertisement that you want to host on your website as an embed that can tag as public. And then you can set up these smart playlists that read these metadata tags and automatically bring content into those playlists based off of that. Publicity level and that tag that you specified, but you know the other thing, especially with YouTube, that's a real kind of thorn in the side of many content producers is if you've posted a video on YouTube and you need to make a small change to it, you're kind of out of luck. Your 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 video links will break. You can't replace a video file. You have to relink everything and you have to reorganize everything, and, and, and it's just a big headache. Modern platforms will let you up load replacement video files to the same asset in your content management system and it'll take hold across all embeds everywhere it's it's located and that link never breaks and that's one you know way of really taking the stress out of building these kinds of content experiences. And then obviously, like you mentioned, the branding is a huge piece of it. You know, adding custom branding, like logos, fonts, colors, that sort of thing is a great way of just injecting your brand and getting people immersed in the content. And if you've got... Uh, additional development resources. You can also do, like I said earlier, custom HTML, CSS, JavaScript, to really amp up that immersion by creating you know, other links and you know, call-outs to other pages and promos on your website, for example, the, the possibilities are really endless there. So
0: we, t- we talk about endless possibilities and the way to get it out to a lot of people. The, a lot of my life is spent keeping people from being able to see things. So if we're going to be making a private OTT library, we not only want to have the right people with the right credentials access our live and on-demand experience, but how do we you know, work with you know, like SSO, single sign-on providers, to make sure that the, the login experience is correct? And what other security measures are we going to need to think about here when it comes to protecting this content? Watermarking, forensic watermarking, that's, that's a favorite of mine, you know, et cetera.
1: Yeah, security has become a huge sticking point for many people these days, whether it's data privacy or content access, that sort of thing. So uh, making sure that the platform you have in place has some of these baseline security measures is one of the, the best ways of just making sure at least some of those bases are covered right off the bat. Um, Two-factor authentication has also become almost, you know, table stakes for whatever app you're accessing, especially if you're in the corporate scenario, right? So making sure that your platform can also integrate with your two-factor authentication provider as well is a big way of making sure that your content's not getting accessed by bad actors. Um, On the, you know, more, you know, granular side of the security things. Like you mentioned, we've got you know watermarking that can bring in a viewer's IP address and overlay it on top of the screen so that if they decide to try and screen scrape it and send it out when they shouldn't, their IP address, their name, their email, whatever, is, is embedded in that screen recording. So if it makes it out into the wild, you can trace it back to that point of origin and take any disciplinary action you might need to. Um, On the flip side, if security is, you know, you've got your two-factor authentication connected, your single sign-on providers connected, all of that stuff, and you've got a specific asset, a live stream that you're you're really, really concerned about and you want to just have one added layer of extra security there just for peace of mind, um, you can add a registration with like a custom passcode that you design and that you uh, send that passcode out only to the people that need to have access to it. Right? So say you've got a live stream and you want to set the passcode to be this super long hex key or something like that. Uh, you can do that, share it all, only with the people who should have it. They put that in and they can access the content, but anyone else is not able to because they don't know what that passcode is kind of thing. So there's a lot of other features like that around security to protect.
0: So with the, with the passcodes and two-factor,
1: is it possible to use authentication apps? Yeah, you can integrate with things like Okta, um, you know, uh, Janrain, um, you know, the, the possibilities are endless there, yeah.
0: Awesome. Okay, so you got all this information that you're also using for security. What if I want to collect all of that? What kind of analytics can I get from my viewers to see? Okay, you already said, hey, we know that maybe everybody's not—they're—they're they're checking out at the end of the video. But how do I see who's watching um, and what sort of content they're watching? Um, and like in the case of that legal. Uh, or that continuing education, how do we ensure that people are watching the the stuff they're watching and the amount of time they're watching to reach possibly a certification standard?
1: Yeah, so the some of the features I mentioned earlier around interactivity, things like Q&A, polls, and checkpoints, a lot of those can also be leveraged for Kind of tracking certification progress and, and compliance with whatever kind of rules you might set as part of your continuing education program so you could say like look at a checkpoint report uh, for any given live event or and say they need to pass at least 75 or 80 percent of the checkpoints to have been considered that they watched the content and if they you know miss a certain number of them they have to watch it again for example before they're allowed to proceed forward um, Then you've got, you know, polls where you can, traditionally the polls are more just to gauge audience feedback, right? But you can spin that in a different way and turn it into a quiz where you're sending out a poll, you're with certain questions and answers. And based on who responds to which ones, you can say, okay, the five people who said this answer incorrectly, they also missed certain amount of checkpoints. You can reconcile those two data points together and say, okay, they weren't engaged. They need to retake this this course, kind of thing. Um, and you know, taking a step back, you know, the platform that you choose to host this kind of content in these programs should be able to have you know aggregate analytics around just all of the content in your system. You know, like which what's my highest performing video asset? What is my uh, you know live stream? You know, uptime on average, kind of thing. Um, but on a deeper level on a per asset per event per per video level you can also track you know what resolution was this person watching at you know uh did what ip address did they join from were they at home or were they you know traveling abroad for example um you know Having the really detailed analytics there on a per-event level also lets you tie that with any of the engagement metrics that you're capturing, like the checkpoints and polls, like I mentioned.
0: So the, there could be a, you, hey, I've noticed this IP address, but it actually reconciles back to, say, a, a cell carrier. The reason they missed all the checkpoints is they're driving. They, right. they actually weren't even watching. They were listening as as opposed to watching. And, you know, then I can decide well, that content was really visual heavy that they need to know, not just what we're telling them. Mm-hmm. So it let, lets us go back and decide, you know, Kim didn't meet the metrics. Kim needs to go and take the the second level class, which is going to be maybe even proctored. Yeah. Um, so it sounds like there's a lot of cool features you've got there that really, really separate you from a lot of the other Platforms that are out there—it's it, a—it's a very specific thing that hits a lot of notes for a lot of folks.
1: Yeah, and and to to that point, you know, the the other thing that we're always considering, right, is you know how are people consuming the content? You mentioned someone could be just listening to it on their phone, right? So making sure that the tool you're using to stream out this the, these videos uh, is not you know specific to certain devices or s- certain operating systems and things like that is also really important because you, you, you're you never going to be able to account for every single device operating system out, out on the market. So, you know, Certain tools like our, like Sherpa, for example are browser based so that all you need is a web browser to be able to log in and it works on mobile, it works on tablets, it works on computers, all of that kind of stuff We're
0: talking adaptive bitrate at this point yeah. on the on the video so uh, and we're all we're all familiar with that because we use different devices to stream our favorite entertainment resources today, so it may be great on my TV at home, but scaled down for what I'm doing on my my phone
1: yeah. Yeah. And and if your bandwidth, for example, is, you know, if you're in a more rural area, for example, and uh, more people are coming in from metropolitan areas, you don't want the people in the metropolitan areas to have their quality suffering because you're streaming it out from, you know, a shack in your backyard, for example. Uh, so uh, you, you can stream out the content at full resolution, and then depending on where your viewers are coming in from and what their bandwidths are, they get the maximum possible resolution that they can support. And it doesn't impact the, the resolution that other people are getting it, at all either.
0: Well, you, you mentioned streaming from a shack, and I, I, I don't believe you all stream from a shack. Yeah. It, this, is all com- this is all cloud-based, and, and you folks are partners with, um, with Amazon on this.
1: Yeah. Right now, um, most of our, you know, technology infrastructure is based on AWS. Yeah. Cool. So you, you've got a very certain
0: level of performance and, and ability there, unless you are streaming to a shack right. out there in the middle of nowhere. Exactly. So that, that, that's one thing that I think brings a lot to the table. Uh, well, Don, thanks for joining us today. Um, if there are questions you've got about Sherpa, please reach out to us. We can, we can engage with our friends from Telestream. If you've got questions about how to create content for Stur- Sherpa, Keycode Media can help you with that. We can set up production, post-production, anything that can feed to your environment that you can be hosting on Sherpa. Don, again, thanks for joining us today. Thank you, appreciate it. So obviously, if you've been watching us on the live stream, you've got a lot of questions. Please get those collected get them in on the normal chat features. We'll be collecting them and be back in a couple minutes to go over your questions. All right, we're live for Q&A here with Don. Uh, We had a little bit of time to to scooch the camera over, grow a beard, get Don home. Uh, Let's uh, jump into with our questions uh todd is asking what is the top trend that we're seeing in live video is it going to be interactivity security resolution what is that new big thing that we all need to be pitching to our live streaming clients
1: yeah i think i think it's a combination of of a couple of those things right you know the appetite for high quality video has gone from you know the luxury of 4k and thinking of it almost like as a novelty type of feature Now that's kind of what people are expecting is that really high resolution content. Kind of coming off the tail end of that, having all that high resolution content is great, but you also need to be fostering that audience interactivity and having things like polls, uh, live chat, um, even, you know, bi-directional video communication capabilities like viewing parties and breakout rooms. All of that stuff is starting to become the new table stakes for these types of virtual events and, you know, video streaming type of initiatives. So I think it kind of goes both ways. It's a lot of the quality aspect and it's also a lot of the engagement. Um, And then, obviously, security is kind of like a layer on top of that. Uh, If you're doing a lot of this type of content for internal, you know, corporate communications type use cases, you need to have that security layer in place, but you don't want to forego the quality and the interactivity that you're building with those types of features. So I think all of those are starting to become the, you know, more sought after trends um, and balancing them based on your use cases is going to be the key.
0: Definitely, and and that's the good thing about Sherpa, it's flexible that way. Um, question from Bob, He noticed the live captioning during the event, is that exportable and can I use it for post? And I guess the other question that would come along with that is what about timecode?
1: Yeah, so the live speech to text transcriptions that you're seeing on the Sherpa player that's embedded on the Keycode Media website, those are generated live using you know, AI speech to text uh, transcription features. And once the event is done, that uh, SRT file can be downloaded and brought into any sort of text editor uh, or, you know, uh, closed caption correctioning software that you might be using. And uh, it has all of the SRT styling built in so that all you need to do is, you know, correct any of the, you know, missteps that might have happened with the AI, re-upload it to your event, and then it automatically becomes, you know, the closed caption file that you're using for that uh, event VOD. So um, yeah, you have it on the live and then you can uh, really quickly and easily correct it and re-upload it afterwards.
0: And, and I guess once it's in that form where you're doing the correction, you can probably get that into a lot of um, nonlinear editing platforms to further manipulate or to embed for, uh, you know, uh, 709 captions later on down the line.
1: Yeah, definitely.
0: Cool. Um, Matt is saying, loving the cleanness of the player. Um, how is Telestream's Sherpa platform going to help me manage my video content more effectively?
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm glad that you like the way the player looks. I think one of the key aspects of this player is that it is browser-based, right? You don't have some of the, you know, device operating system limitations that you might have with other players where some of them are, you know, only running on Chromium browsers or some of them can only run on certain types of devices and that sort of things. Um so having a player that's flexible enough to be consumed by people no matter where they're watching this content is one of the key aspects of delivering the content um, and getting as much, you know, viewership as you, you can possibly get. Uh, in terms of managing the content, the that same principle of having a browser-based interface extends to the Sherpa platform itself. So, you know, if you've got, you know, someone in, uh, in a remote office somewhere who's supposed to categorize and organize all of your content into playlists and and microsites and all of that you don't need to worry about whether they've got an android computer or a mac computer or an ipad or whatever uh it's a, it's the same browser-based interface that you can go you can easily categorize and manage all of that content really easily
0: um, yeah a, a nice uh platform agnostic kind of setup um so a question popped up from steve Um, how hard or easy is it going to be to create a pop-up channel to send to your viewers for more specific content or in my case a presser for live broadcast to my viewers as fast as possible sorry for the two-part question no problem steve
1: no problem yeah no i think it's, it's interesting right so sherpa as a as a platform has a lot of features that uh, really enable the use of video for both internal and external contexts and use cases right so if you 're using for you know internal communications like I mentioned earlier, you want to have that security layer in place you want to have you know maybe registration two factor authentication integrations that sort of thing and you can have uh, smart playlists that are uh, categorized based off of tags that you set where certain internal-only content that you tag as such automatically get filtered into those playlists and served to your uh, appropriate audiences and not out to the general public. Um, But if you want to do, like, uh, a news, press broadcast type of thing, you could just as easily spin up a live event or a hybrid simulated live-to-live event kind of experience and um, open that up to the general public embed it on a third-party website, uh, strip away some of those security... Uh, factors that you might have for your internal audience and make that as publicly accessible as you might want it to be. And that can also be tied to smart playlists and, uh, you know, dynamic updates of microsites and that sort of thing as well. So really, it all comes down to how much manual work do you want to put into uh, curating and organizing the experience for how your viewers are consuming the content, or do you want to make it as, you know, automated and frictionless as possible where all you need to do once you start a live stream or upload a VOD con, uh, asset is set your tags for your visibility, who your audience is, uh, and then let the uh, uh, the automation powers it be filtered into the appropriate smart playlists and into the microsites and get it out to your audience.
0: Awesome. I think we've got like 80% of this question answered, but Andy was wondering, can Telestream's Sherpa solution help me monetize my video content across different platforms?
1: Absolutely. Yeah. So uh, one of the great things about the Sherpa stream platform is that it is fully API based. Like the whole platform is built on this robust set of platform API. So you can integrate it into a whole bunch of other tools and systems that you might have in place. Say you have a a CRM system, like your Salesforce or or a paywall system that you're using to collect payments or registration for like training and certification courses, for example, and that sort of thing. Um, You can easily integrate those systems in with Sherpa and like I was mentioning earlier with the smart playlists and the security layers and all of that, define who gets access to what content based on their purchase history or their watch habits and things along those lines. Um, One great example that we've seen is, you know, this uh, large certification body uh, uses Sherpa for their training uh, programs and their certification programs. And they only provide the next asset in that certification program once someone has completed the previous one Um, and obviously they have to pay to get the whole you know certification curriculum right you have you pay your money you get your access to your certification curriculum and then once you go through each asset in the curriculum you get to progress through that until you ultimately get your certification at the end right Um, so having sherpa tie into the paywall and the crm system allows them to say okay this person paid for this curriculum so we give them access to the whole playlist or microsite uh, but they've only completed the first uh, video in the series once they complete that that first video and maybe we have checkpoints in play to track how engaged they are through the video or polls and q a or other types of engagement features to really granularly track how much of the content they actually watched and not just skimmed through in order to get through the certification kind of thing then you can say okay they passed all of these uh, checks. They checked all of these boxes. Let's give them the next video in the series, and then just really easily, dynamically give that up to them once it makes the most sense for them.
0: And I can't think of anyone who would, you know, just skip through to get the certification at all. That would never. No,
1: happen. no, never happened. Never, not once. Yeah. Um, so I,
0: I think that also answers a lot of uh, Lindsay's question about um, how Sherpa integrates with other systems and technologies that they're using in the business. It's 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 API driven
1: there. Yeah, and there's also, you know, built in kind of ways that you can monetize your content within Sherpa as well, without necessarily tying it to these API connections. If you don't have that, you know, technical aptitude and and you know the the appetite for doing some of the, the that integration work. Uh, one of the examples that uh, we love to talk about was, uh, you know, a handful of years back, Levi's announced this you know this Pride collection. They were releasing all of these new lines of jeans that were tied to these uh, influencer campaign campaigns around you know. Uh, uh, gay pride and lgbtqia uh, pride and, and awareness and that sort of thing and what they did was they hosted a live stream with these influencers who were talking about the new products and you know reviewing them and commenting on them and, and that sort of thing and all the while they had these pop-up banners Uh, like little slide graphics banner ad overlays that popped up that linked out to the page where someone could buy the pair of jeans or the jean jacket or something if it was something they wanted to buy and having that built into the sherpa platform on its own without having to make those connections uh, made it really easy for someone at levi's to just say okay they're talking about uh the 805 jeans click here slide push boom now it's off and you can people can buy it if they want to
0: And that was the whole promise that of of third screen or second screen that we always had as we got into um, over the top delivery years ago. So you you finally brought that to fruition. Um, Tony was asking what types of security measures uh, does the Sherpa platform have to protect my video content from folks who want to uh, access it in an unauthorized fashion or steal it?
1: Yeah. Yeah, there's a number of ways that Sherpa helps protect your content, right? There's kind of two ways you can look at it. There's the the actual protecting of the content and trying to make sure no one gets access to it who shouldn't have access to it. And then there's a whole flip side of the coin where, you know, worst case scenario, let's say someone does get access where they shouldn't and they are going to kind of screen scrape it or record it with their phone or something so they share it out to the general public. And how do you take corrective action once that has happened, right? So... Uh, On the first side, uh, we've got some of those security integrations, like I mentioned, you know, two-factor authentication. You can have uh, registration forms with unique passcodes that you set and you only give those passcodes out to the people who should have access to the content. you can have, you know, domain publishing restrictions, you know, whitelisting and blacklisting, all of that sort of thing. Um, and then you can also integrate it with your corporate security protocols, like SAML, SSO, LDAP, all, all of those kind of high-end security features that you see at a lot of these big companies have that directly tied into Sherpa. So you can say, okay, only this Active Directory group gets access to the town hall meeting every month or something along those lines. Um, so that's on protecting the access to the content, but let's say the, the, the unthinkable happens and someone gets access where they shouldn't have, right? Um, we also have in Sherpa the concept of watermarks, where you can have these custom, personally identifiable watermarks as overlays on top of your video that are either visible or invisible, meaning you know they, they pop up between frames or they're just clearly visible there on the player, um, that allow you to pinpoint exactly where that leak happened so you can overlay an ip address you can have someone's email uh, you can have uh, their name a whole bunch of you know dynamically generated personally identifiable information that you can overlay as watermarks so that if someone is accessing that content when they shouldn't be and they're sharing it out you can always trace it back to who did it and take any sort of corrective action you might need to from there
0: and and that even covers the people with you know camera shooting the, the screen where the playback is happening that's one of the things that most people uh, overlays are really the only way to 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 flag that kind of content um julian is asking not sure if you mentioned this in the past but do you need a live production switcher to push a feed to sherpa or can sherpa do live directly on the platform
1: yeah you you don't need a live production switcher or a software-based switcher or any of that to get a Piece of m- video live with Sherpa, but you can right. So with Sherpa, we have uh, this concept of multi presenter, where you can you know just flip on a webcam, uh, send a link to any you know panelists or guests who might want to join. They flip on their webcam, and that automatically feeds your multi panel session into Sherpa, kind of like you know, a Zoom type of experience where it's stripped down. You don't get a lot of branding and a lot of these, you know, higher end production, creative type of uh, aspects to it. Um, But you're able to go live with your message in an instant without needing any sort of stream keys or encoder settings or anything like that. Sherpa takes care of all of that for you. Um, But if you do have a piece of software like Wirecast or if you have like a Wirecast gear machine that you've got connected, uh, you can easily feed that into Sherpa with just an RTMP uh, stream key in, in and then you can add all of that additional production value to get your multi-camera shots, your lower thirds, any graphics, you know, stock media inserts, all of that kind of stuff. Um, so really it just comes down to uh, what your ambition is and what your appetite for incorporating some of those higher end production elements are.
0: Or, or what gear you have. We are currently feeding this entire webinar from a TriCaster. I've got a TV right. over there. Um, and you know, we've got DDR playback that's coming in as part of this as well. So those are pieces that you can use, you could use stripped down inside of Sherpa or whatever, whatever, however complex you'd like it to be is how complex you can get it to be.
1: Exactly. Yeah. And again, go- going back to Sherpa as a platform, right? We, we really built it to be uh, as flexible as possible, right? If you've got a TriCaster, if you've got a Wirecast, if you've got OBS, if you've got none of the above, uh, you can still use Sherpa to go live with video content and get your message out to folks.
0: So uh, I was was thinking we were gonna get this sort of question really as a fast channel kind of question. Uh, Nadeem is asking, uh, is there dynamic ad insertion that can take place in the OTT
1: live stream? Yeah, so Sherpa, like I mentioned, you know, really flexible API based platform, right? You can integrate it with a whole bunch of tools that you have at your disposal. I know that Telestream has some DAI tools in play as well, um, that we are working on kind of more tightly integrating with the broader kind of live streaming and OTT portfolio of products and solutions that we have. So um, definitely something we're looking at and something that uh, is possible, again, depending on what sort of acumen you have for integrating whatever systems you've got in place. But uh, the short answer to that, that question is I, I think yes you can you can integrate these kinds of DAI and advertising um, solutions in with Sherpa and create your own monetized content microsites and experiences.
0: Perfect and then Steve's got a question um it's really about training with the purchase of this platform is there an initial training for setup and configuration and is there additional support from Telestream if needed to assist after that purchase when we need to train other techs on how the system works months after installation. We've seen that with some live live (laughs) situations. You you use it twice a year, it's not the same crew. Um, Is there a way to break up uh, training over two two, two different or multiple different segments?
1: Yeah, yeah. So, the Sherpa platform is its own thing. We tried to design it to be as intuitive and user-friendly as possible, but we know that not everyone interacts with things the same way as everyone else, and some sometimes people get lost, right? So, we do have a really robust a support and professional services offering that we offer to anyone who purchased the Sherpa Stream platform as well. So that can cover anything from onboarding calls and trainings to, you know, pre-event consultations, dry runs, rehearsals, um, custom branding work if you need help on designing a player uh, experience to match your brand, but you don't necessarily have design resources to do it in-house. Um, because we built the platform, we know how all of the branding you know, inserts work and the customizations can go. We can help with that side of things as well. Um, so, yeah, we're really here to help you achieve your vision when it comes to your content. Uh, and that goes from the player to you know how you actually go about producing the content as well.
0: Awesome. Um, Alfredo is asking um, if the – the solution can be used in government, specifically city halls. We may have already covered a bit of this, uh, but just a little more clarity. Um, government users, is is. do you have some out there who um, you can point to and say, hey, yeah, it's working great?
1: Yeah, yeah, we definitely have some uh, users in the public sector, some of the more highly regulated industries and in, in, in that sort of thing as well. Um, I don't know if I'm allowed to say them by name, uh, but there are definitely users who use it In the government sector for both the internal secure kind of one-to-many communications, like I mentioned earlier, um, but also for embedding video content in on marketing pages and websites and things where they need to give out like a public service announcement, for example, or, you know, they're delivering a message that is uh, for more public-facing audiences and not necessarily people behind the firewall. So yeah, public sector uh, definitely can benefit from having a platform with some of these security uh, features in play.
0: Awesome, Uh, so one last question here from Mike. Um, How is the Sherpa solution ensuring that my video content is optimized for all these different devices and platforms where it might be showing up?
1: Yeah, so whenever you're live streaming or delivering video content from Sherpa, Sherpa automatically creates the uh, adaptive bitrate ladder of renditions for it, right? So uh, whatever your bandwidth is as a viewer, you will get the highest resolution possible uh, that your system will allow for Uh, and it won't impact any of the other viewing experiences it doesn't impact the production at all so you know for example if the bandwidth over a key code is you know super open and you're able to stream out in 1080p 4k content if someone has uh the bandwidth to be able to bring that into their machine they're going to get the highest resolution content possible if someone is you know on their phone in you know in between cell networks not doesn't have reliable wi-fi coverage that sort of thing they might get you know a sub hd stream um but the minute they get access to a a more robust connection that'll ratchet up to whatever that device can allow for
0: so basically same dynamic content quality that
1: you'd get on a netflix or something so exactly yeah
0: i think we're good to go there don thanks for joining us today to to knock out these questions and, and talk about sherpa um, if anyone else has other questions about Sherpa, please don't hesitate to toss them in the, in the chats and we'll be able to get answers back to you. And if you're interested in taking a look at Sherpa as your platform for delivering content to all of your users, uh, please drop us a line here at key Code media. We'd love to talk to you. Thanks again, Don. Thanks for watching Broadcast to Post. Please make sure to subscribe to the podcast to receive future episodes. Follow Keycode Media on LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram to receive news on additional AV broadcast and post-production technology content. See you next time, folks.